0: Hello, I'm Grant Bartley, you're listening to the Philosophy Now radio show, and in a slight change from the advertised programme, tonight we'll be talking about mind, science and metaphysics. I'll be interviewing Professor David Papineau, who's the Professor of the Philosophy of Natural Science at King's College London. He has a research interest in both the philosophy of science and the philosophy of mind, and we'll know about, be touching on both those areas. Rosanella and Alan will be providing live music. Okay, so let's start with uh, a David, uh, can you tell me what your philosophical interests are, please, and how you got into them a little bit, please?
1: How I got into them? Uh, I have a lot of philosophical interests. Uh Uh, I uh, work, I guess, mainly on philosophy of mind and philosophy of science. Okay, uh, what do
0: those areas involve for the people who don't know anything about
1: philosophy? Philosophy of Mind. Well, I've got, I've got a lot more interests. I mean, okay. I, I, I work in philosophy of biology, sure. philosophy of psychology, uh-huh. philosophy of mass, mm-hmm. and and I first got into philosophy because I was a maths student for, f- right. for four years, and I kind of got interested in logic and philosophy of mass, and that's how okay. it started off. And then I did philosophy of science, uh, sure. philosophy of natural science. There's a story which goes with why I'm called the Professor of Philosophy of Natural Science, okay. you might come back to. Sure. And then I guess my interests. Broadened out, so I, I mostly work now in the area of philosophy of mind, uh, psychology, and its overlap with science. So, so what I'm interested in is trying to understand, in very general terms, how the mind works in the light of scientific findings about human beings and the brain, uh. and uh, and also I think generally about what science tells us about the nature of reality in ourselves.
0: Okay, what sort of particularly philosophical questions would you ask uh, about the mind and, and science?
1: Well, the obvious... Or would one ask? So, I'm, I'm persuaded of materialism, and we could uh, mm-hmm. come back and talk about exactly what that involves sure, and I'm what sure that, we will. that means, but uh, I think that the the world we live in and ourselves is basically a material world. We're material beings. Mm-hmm. And part of the philosophical challenge that rages is to understand how all the things we're familiar with, like consciousness, thought, uh, feelings, meaning, free will, fit in mm-hmm. uh-huh. to a material world. I mean, at first pass, you might think that if if there's just a material world, if there's just matter, well that means there isn't any consciousness or meaning and uh-huh. so on but I think that's the wrong response I think we can see how those things are present even in a material world
0: Okay, well I, I've got a diametrically opposed view to that so I think we...
1: let's. Well, perhaps I'll be able to persuade you of the error of your ways
0: uh, Well maybe, I, I think find it highly unlikely, but never mind But
1: I shall, Surely we're here to try and get at the truth and what sure. we want to look at is the the arguments. I mean, I don't think there's much point in just uh, kind of having a little bit of biography where you ask me no. what, what I think. I mean, I think you, we ought to try and figure out what's the right thing to think.
0: Okay, so let's get, get into this philosophy, philosophy of mind thing. Mm-hmm. You, you, you are a materialist. You've just described that as saying the mm-hmm. the world is a material world. Therefore, mm-hmm. consciousness must be, must be material. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it seems to me that the properties of experience, such as um, emotions and feelings and and meaning Mm -hmm. uh, are not at all the properties of material things. So why do you think that the mind is a material thing?
1: Okay, so I think there's very strong, pretty overwhelming arguments for thinking that the mind is a material thing, and I'll I'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. But I recognize that on the other side, the the points you just made are also very strong it 's sure. very, very hard to understand how the mind could be material surely the the facts of consciousness the way consciousness appears to us shows us that consciousness is not material mm-hmm. but I think in ways i 'll explain in a second that if you if you stick with that assumption yeah. that somehow consciousness reveals itself to us as non-material, then you get into a pretty absurd philosophical position, and that's why I think we have to question those strong feelings that you have. Uh, OK, could you flesh so, that out
0: a bit, more, please? Well,
1: well l- l- let's, let's start with the argument for being uh, materialist. So, here's how it, uh, it goes. It's a very simple argument, and uh, I suppose nobody's going to write down notes like it's a lecture, but I think it's simple enough that it's worth it's worth going through it. Uh-huh. So get okay, his argument uh, that uh, uh, surely we want to, we want to suppose that that our thoughts and feelings and so on have effects in the physical world in particular mm-hmm. they affect how we behave how our bodies move and how yeah. the physical world is affected as of the result. power of choice let's say or the power of will. Yeah, but don't don't focus on that but just focus on the I mean we can worry about free will later. Just focus on the fact, that, you know, when I'm thirsty, that's a feeling. Right. And it makes me go to the fridge and open it. And that's okay. a physical event. So, you know, mental mental states have physical effects. Okay. And in particular, they make me move my arm to open the fridge and so on, right? Right. Okay, now think about this physical effect. My, my arm, my arm moving. Uh, so, imagine you're a scientist and you're trying to explain why did my arm move, right? Mm-hmm. And so scientists will say, well, that's because, you know, the the, the muscles contracted and uh, it's because the fibres contracted and that's because electrochemical messages came down your nerves and that's because certain things happened in your motor cortex and that's because certain things happened in your prefrontal cortex. And if you were looking at what happened from a scientific point Mm -hmm. of view, you'd expect to be able to trace back the physical effects, your arm moving and so on, in terms of physical causes all the way along certainly so so now we have a funny situation we have a situation where the first assumption is that your thirst your your feelings cause your arm to move and right. the second assumption is that certain physical processes in your brain cause your arm to move and it doesn't look right to say that there's two different causes here i mean it's not like the guy who's shot and struck by lightning at the same time there's two independent causes either of which would have been enough you don't want to say look if even if i hadn't been thirsty i would still have gone to the fridge because my brain would have made me that's the wrong way to think yeah sure so so, so let me just finish Uh okay so look here's the argument so so there's a mental cause for my arm moving there's a physical cause for my arm moving they aren't two different causes there must just be the same cause. Your feeling must be just one and the same as the brain processes. Well, now, no, no no no, I no, no, I no, 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 no. I'm going to take exception to that because the use of the word just
0: is, a, is first of all, you're covering over something there. And, and second of all, I would say, for instance, that, um, okay, you've got all the physical causes of what your brain happens in your brain that goes down your nerves to make your arm move. But that doesn't preclude the fact that it was because I felt thirsty that I. I had an act of will which um, changed the way that okay. my brain worked, for instance. No, th- th-
1: that's, that's a perfectly right. coherent position. So you're questioning now my assumption uh-huh. that this chain of causes, I start with my arm, I go back up the, the, the muscles, the, the nerves, to my motor cortex, my prefrontal cortex. You're supposing that at some point as we go back there, we will find a gap somewhere (laughs) where bits of the brain are moving in a way that's not explainable in terms of prior physical circumstances according to the laws of physics. Well, no, I I just... No, 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 hang on, let let me just finish. That's a coherent view. That's what Descartes thought. That's what interactive dualists thought. It's considered nowadays uh, pretty cranky. I mean, if you were right... Well, no, no, as as you say,
0: we're into... Now, discovering the truth, not into discovering what everybody no, no, thinks is true No, I, I, true or I, I agree otherwise, entirely, right? but,
1: but I just want to point out the consequence of your view. If you right. were right, right, the physicists ought to be studying what goes on in people's brains in order to discover there's an extra force that arises only in people's brains, which is separate from the electromagnetic force, or gravitational no, force, the like, I No, mean, well, I don't like the language you're using because it presupposes the argument.
0: I would say, I make choices with my mind. My mind is capable of altering
1: my brain behaviour through right. the choices. I'm just pointing out that this runs um, in the face right. of 200 years of scientific evidence. No, there's it's no, it's no, your no, interpretation of that. No, I, that's not my interpretation. I, I can give you the history. Uh-huh. Your view was absolutely standard until about 150 years ago. Uh, there was a small group of scientists in Germany who started thinking that there was no reason to suppose that there are any forces found inside the brain that aren't also found outside the brain, that, that yeah. everything that goes on inside the brain can ex- be explained in terms of forces and physical processes that are also found outside the brain. Well, they that's that's r- that, a that, presumption, that, though. No, of course that was a presumption that remained a very much a minority view uh-huh. for at least a hundred years sure. and and when i first started doing philosophy there were many philosophers and scientists still then who thought that john eccles sir Karl popper mm-hmm. they thought that in the brain there were special forces unknown to current physics that made a difference in the brain mm-hmm. but that's, I mean, I, I'm not trying to argue here from sure. sociology or authority. I'm just pointing out that nobody really believes that anymore, and there's a reason. The reason uh-huh. is that the scientists have discovered more and more and more about what goes on inside cells. Right. And there's not the slightest bit of evidence that there are these extra forces. No, but I no, would, Please, I please let, me, let me just make the, the last... And the crucial, the crucial discovery was, was uh, uh, Hodge Huxley and Hodgkin in the '50s right. they analyzed action potential in cells they explained it in electrochemical terms, mm-hmm. and at that point, you might notice that nearly all scientists nearly all philosophers switched to a materialist view of the mind because mm-hmm. they thought that if the mind the conscious mind was separate from the brain, as you think. If if if, if we go with the no, idea I don't think no, it's no, separate. No, I think no, it's a different just, type of thing. No, let me just let me just finish I think my they sentence. Are connected. Let me just finish Sorry. my sentence because I mean I, I was just about to get to the point no. I was trying to make, which is if you think as you did that somehow it's obvious that this conscious mind is separate from the brain then you're condemned to the view that there's, a, there's a, a conscious realm that makes no difference to the physical world. You're condemned to epiphenomenalism. No. You're, you're condemned to the view that we're suffering an illusion that, like a little kid who's in the car and has got a little steering wheel and uh, sitting next, sure. to, next to his mother and she's actually driving and he thinks he's driving, that's what your view will force you to. You, you'll be forced to think that the conscious mind is it appears as if it's controlling the body but it's not really okay i'll just reply to
0: that, that n- yeah. nothing what you attribute to my views is is anything that i think first of all like epiphenomism for the listeners is the view that the the brain uh produces the mind from its activity but the mind has no um input back into the brain so there is no actual power of choice or power of will by by which your mind affects the physical world Uh, and i don't believe that i I believe that the power of choice does affect your brain i think that is entirely explainable through quantum mechanics and i don't think that the mind i think the mind is a different thing from the brain but i don't think it's separate from the brain i think they're connected i think the brain creates the mind
1: are we here to to hear your views about the philosophy of mind no I don't, uh, you, you I, I,
0: attributed I've, I've, to me views that i don't hold so i just want to defend myself okay? i'll
1: just explain what uh-huh. what the issue is uh-huh. uh there's the view that the mind is separate from the brain right there's the view that the mind affects the body mm-hmm. and there's the facts of modern physics right and you've got to give up one of them no, and, I, and, I believe and, it's and, 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 and So, so all, all I'm saying is that if you want, to, it, unless you want to become an epiphenomenalist, which I which, don't. which which you say you don't, well then you've got a choice: either you deny modern physics, no, I don't or, do that, or you give up your idea that the mind is separate from the brain. <coughs> no, I don't do that either. Oh well, then then you're. Then you're I, I think
0: I think the mind can affect the brain through quantum mechanics because of the observer phenomenon. In, in other words, the observer phenomenon can be can be. Um, used to explain the power of will in the choice of brain
1: states. Well, perhaps we'd we better talk about quantum mechanics, because I think when we, okay. look, at it, when
0: we look at it properly, we, we
1: will see that it doesn't give any room all for right, an well, independent mind to make a difference to the physical world.
0: All right, we'll talk about quantum mechanics in a minute. First of all, we're going to have um, a song uh, um, by Ro- Rosanella and Alan Stewart. The first song is going to be called Harry Went to Heaven
1: in a four-wheel drive
0: in a four-wheel drive okay and that's not, not really just anyway yeah. all right
2: and that's Alan's song he actually wrote that okay okay <laughs> In a four-wheel drive Two a Harry went to heaven in, heaven in a four-wheel drive, doing 120 as he hit the ice. Harry little world went one, two, three, you know the jeep did a loop as he hit the tree. Harry's mama say I had no reason to drive like a crazy in a freezing season. Harry like to motor like a boy on a mission. Now the numbers is up, pays down with the fishes.
1: Harry went <laughs> to <laughs> heaven <laughs> in a fall
2: drive doing 120 as he hit the ice Harry's little world went one two three yeah the jeep did a loop as he hit the jeep Harry had a thing for a girl out of Dance, babe, with a fine body, jelly.
0: Thank you, Rosanella, Alan. That was How Harry Went to Heaven. And um, Alan's new EP, A Call from Drake, is available for my tunes. Yeah, new EP. All right, and uh, <laughs> you can find them on music dot com, and I'll give that address at the end of the show. Again, I'm Grant Bartley from Philosophy Now magazine. You're listening to the Philosophy Now radio show. We're talking about uh, mind and metaphysics and science with uh, Professor David Papineau, who's the professor of the philosophy of natural science at King's College London. Um, before the song, um, David, uh, you mentioned quantum mechanics in relation to the to mm-hmm. the mind. Why do you think um, quantum mechanics impinges on the mind-brain debate?
1: Well, I don't think it does does really, okay. uh, but but. It was you who suggested that that it made a difference. And let me explain why I don't think it does, really. So this this argument as to why it's it's difficult to take seriously an independent mind, uh, the difficulty being that it's hard to see how it could make difference in the physical world it might you might have thought that argument was presupposing mm-hmm. some kind of physical determinism I said you think about how my arm moves you yeah. can trace it back and at each stage you find some prior physical circumstance uh, neural arrangements in your brain and so on that that determine what was going to happen next and you might say no but that's all wrong quantum mechanics has shown us well it's partly right but it's not all
0: the truth right I mean the <laughs> the truth I mean if you if you're a materialist doesn't Materialist, sorry, uh, listeners. Materialism is the view that the the mind is the same as the brain. I think that's a sort of good summary of it. But
1: if you say that, aren't you denying the power of free choice to human beings? Sorry, w- w- I I I, I want to know where where we are now. So you asked me about why I thought that quantum mechanics how it mattered to sure. the mind brain debate, and I was explaining that. But uh-huh. do you want to switch to free will now, or should we should we stick no with quantum car- mecha- carry on if you want with the quantum mechanics? You know? Okay, you sure. Okay, let's, let's, let's do that. So I was explaining why the fact that quantum mechanics shows us that the physical world is not in fact deterministic doesn't make any difference to mm-hmm. the earlier reason for thinking right. there can't be a separate mind. And the reason is this. I mean, you, you might think, well, so quantum mechanics is indeterministic. It's it's it says that we've got certain physical arrangements, and then it's a chancey matter, say, whether some molecule will will split in the brain, and that that makes room for a separate mind to mm, come well, in. And that's and not what I think. I think I think quantum mechanics makes no so, so so like choice I was, I, was, I was being rhetorical when I said ah. you might think. I mean, one ah. might think. Okay. All right. Uh, and. Uh, and certainly certainly, many people do think this, and they think that's, that's indeed how there's room for an independent mind, perhaps with some kind of spontaneous uh, ability to decide to make a difference to the physical world, consistently with quantum mechanics. Mm-hmm. But whether or not well, that's what you think, that's, that's what many people right. people think. And I think it's a mistake. Oh, well, I agree because, with that, yeah. I would think that's the wrong way of thinking. Uh, Right so we we don't need to go into why we, it's a oh, wrong I, I don't thinking. think we dis-
0: disagree on on that implication of that idea of quantum mechanics but I, th-
1: but I think many people look, I think many people do think that quantum mechanics allows room for an independent spontaneous mind to make a difference in just the way I said mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not you so perhaps it's worth explaining why that's a bad way to think okay why do you think it's a bad way to think uh, because while quantum mechanics doesn't say that prior physical circumstances determine what's going to happen next, Uh it does does say that prior physical circumstances fix the probability Uh of what's going to happen next. So if you look at quantum mechanics, it will say in these physical circumstances, there's a a 60% probability that this molecule Uh will split in a certain way. And so that fact in itself means there's no room for an independent mind to make a difference in the physical world. I mean, if you thought it did, well, then presumably you, you think that given those prior physical circumstances, in cases where somebody tries to move their arm, the molecule will spit more than uh-huh. the 60%. And, I mean, that's, that's a perfectly coherent view, mm-hmm. that kind of view that the mind comes down and makes it... But if If it were true, you ought to go and tell your friends in the physics department, they would would win a Nobel Prize straight away. Uh I mean, it's inconsistent with quantum mechanics to suppose that something other than the prior physical circumstances can affect the probability of what happens next in the brain. And that's Mm -hmm. why you really don't have any choice except to identify your choices, your your choosings, your feelings with the prior physical circumstances in the brain in order to get them to affect Mm -hmm. the movements of your bodies, which, of course, they do.
0: I don't follow the dichotomy. I mean, just because it doesn't work that one way that you've just, um, that you've just described doesn't mean it's going to not going to work another way. I mean, this goes back to my tr- um, question just before. I mean, mm. doesn't, doesn't the idea that um, the mind has no effect on the physical brain, or however you would phrase it, mm-hmm. doesn't that mean that there is no such thing as choice?
1: No, but I, d- I, th- I think the mind has all kinds of effects on the physical brain. But I then
0: if, if it does, then surely the mind is a separate thing from the
1: brain. I don't quite see why that... Well, that's if it's
0: the same as the brain, how can the... It's like you're saying that the brain has effects on itself, but... Well, of course it does.
1: Don't you think the brain has effects on yes, itself?
0: Yes, I do, but I think the mind is an entirely different thing from the brain. Right,
1: but that's what I disagree about, you see. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think that the mind doesn't make a difference to the brain and what I do and achieve... Of course it does. But it does so by being part of the brain. If you think it's not part of the brain, then it's very hard to see how it makes a difference to what I think can do and achieve.
0: But can you uh, flesh out what you mean a bit by saying the mind is part of the brain? I mean, obviously, I would say that the mind is produced by the brain, but I would say that the mind isn't the same thing as the brain just because they don't have the same sorts of properties. I mean, obviously the brain has physical properties, like it occupies space, it has physical causation, whereas the mind doesn't occupy... you know, uh, things like experiences don't occupy space. uh, Otherwise we'd see them when we look inside the brain, for instance.
1: Well, I think... My experiences inside my brain and your experiences inside your brain. Where else would they? No, be? I wouldn't deny that. I, right, I well, think so. So, so they, are, they are in space. I mean, and they're in time. My no, ex- my ex- no
0: I was, uh, perhaps I was being too lenient then. In that oh. case, I think I think experiences exist in mental space and, and physical things exist in physical space. But
1: there is a, they, the the mind is connected to the physical world through the brain. Um, maybe we should talk about something else because I, th- I think we're moving away from the arguments here and just, just sure. stating what we think and I mean, uh, you asked me, I mean, how do I think the, the mind is part of the brain? Mm-hmm. I think the brain is a complex uh, very complex organisation as we were discussing earlier, 50 billion neurons, each, each with a thousand connections and a lot of very complicated processes go on in the brain and some of those are mental processes sure. some of them are what it is for me to have feelings make decisions not, and act
0: sh- I'm not really sort of so clear on what it means to say it's part of the brain rather than saying for instance that the mind is connected to the brain
1: well as a different thing from the brain how do you get on with the idea that uh yorkshire is part of england you have trouble with that no okay well it's like that okay you might you mightn't believe it but you said you didn't understand it
0: then i mean i guess my my problem is that the the mind has completely different properties to the brain to me i mean it's like your ex- okay let me put it another way your experience of looking at the yellow of this wall right yeah first of all you open your brain up you wouldn't be able to see the experience of the yellow the only thing that can see the experience is the mind so in that sense what you see inside the mu- the brain isn't equivalent to the mind i'm afraid that's that's, one not, way that's, to that's, go that's, that's
1: not a very strong argument so, mm-hmm. so so my view is that here i'm seeing the yellow of the wall okay and that's a matter of certain light rays coming into my eyes causing certain activities sure. in v1 the visual cortex going up to v4 uh, i categorize the surface in a certain way mm-hmm. and when that goes on this is what it's like for yeah. somebody whose uh, brain is like that it's like this. I don't know what you'd expect it to be like for somebody whose brain is like that, but this is what it's like. Yeah, but right, d- Let me finish. Mm-hmm. If you can open my brain right. and look into my brain, mm-hmm. you aren't somebody who is looking at a yellow wall having yellow light waves coming into your eye. You're somebody who's looking at a brain right. having grey light waves coming into your eye. So that's why it's different when you look at my brain than it is for me when I look at the wall. So you've just, you've just proved what
0: I've just been saying all along. You've just said it's different. You've, you've, you've spent the last okay. ha- half
1: an hour saying the same thing, and now you're just a, a different. What I've just said, Grant, if you concentrate for a minute, I've said that mm-hmm. looking at a brain is different from looking at a yellow wall. I don't think anybody um, could dispute that. Well, no, what you've actually said is looking at your brain
0: is different from seeing with your mind the yellow wall, right? Well, of
1: course, I mean, it, of course it is. So, which, therefore, which, they're different things, right? You're trying to show that... My seeing a yellow wall right. is different from my brain doing certain things, right? And um, you, you, I mean, that's, that's something It's you a might, result you, of your brain doing certain things. Good, good. You're trying to say that they're, Yeah, it's, it's different because it's a result. A result of something is different from the thing itself. You're trying to say there's two things there. Yeah. You cannot establish that by showing me that looking at a brain is different from looking at a yellow wall. They're clearly different, but, that, but it's not the issue. Uh-huh. Uh, you can show that you're trying to show that a is not equal to b right? right and you show me that c is not equal to b it's not establishing the point looking at my brain i mean i think that what goes on in you when you look at look at my brain mm-hmm. is different from what goes on in you when you look at a yellow wall
0: what could be more no, obvious that's, that's true but that's not the point is it the point is that i can't see any of the activity of your mind when i look into your brain
1: no that's because you're not me
0: yeah, exactly. That's the point I'm making, though, isn't it? There's a, there's, a separa- there's a separate thing that is you, that is the mind that is doing the experience, that is different from the brain that in you or- in,
1: in In order to have my experience, you have to have my brain doing the things it's doing. You're obviously not going to have the experience, even from my point of view, by looking at my brain. looking at my brain does not give you my brain why
0: don't i see your experiences when i look at your brain
1: because you're not having them you're looking at my brain yeah exactly
0: so i think we're we're sort of we're destined to disagree on this point. let's move Um, on to.
1: I i fear we are
0: yeah okay uh i think maybe we'll probably just go straight into another song now and uh then we'll move on to something else um Okay, this song is called Man in the Corner. It's Ross and Ella's
1: song okay. called Man in the Corner. Right. Um,
2: right. right, let's go. After the general chatter, the TV screen shows a catchy advert. Everybody's talking, someone is walking The girl at the bar is serving with a smile The clock is ticking, love kissing and victory And then there's man in the corner
0: and Alan Um, if you like their music they often do the FAB which is Folk Americana and Blues Club at Royston the Royston Pub in Lily Road on a Saturday
1: R-Y-L-S-T-O-N oh sorry at the Rylston Pub okay and uh, (laughs) Lily Road Road. alright
0: I think they've got that now um I'm Grant Bartley from Philosophy Now magazine. You're listening to the Philosophy Now radio show. Um, I'm talking to Professor David Papineau, who's uh, the Professor of Philosophy of Natural Science at um, King's College London. And uh, as well as your interest in the philosophy of mind, David, you're also interested in the philosophy of science. Now, uh, one of the things you're interested in, I understand, is is what they call scientific realism, which is the question, does science get at the truth? I mean... how would you start to answer that question? or What is it about that question that really interests you?
1: What interests me most is what most other philosophers of science say about it, because okay. it's rather surprising. I mean, I think that, well, there's cases and cases, and I don't think it makes much sense to say science in general gets at the truth. Right. Good bits of science and bad bits of science. Mm-hmm. But, but I certainly think that, that science can get at the truth and quite often it does. But this is a surprisingly minority view among philosophers of science. Uh, I mean, we started by introducing me as a philosopher, professor of the professor of philosophy of natural right. science. Quite a mouthful. And There's, as I said, there's a story that comes with that. When I was appointed to this job at King's uh, uh, 20 years ago, there was a small history and philosophy of science department and they were getting a new professor Mm -hmm. and they were very, very keen that it be a professor of natural science because they didn't want some professor of social science or human science or mm-hmm. sociologist mm-hmm. or some kind of relativist and, and they were all good hard-headed papereans sorry As that mi- th-
0: that means that they believe that uh, science proceeds by a, a falsification of exactly. uh, previous existing theories in other words you don't prove a, a theory is true you you prove a given idea is is dis- is not true by falsifying it or f- finding evidence against it
1: Just what i was going to say Uh and uh and the surprising thing about the popperians is that they don't think science gets at the truth as as grant just explained they think the characteristic fate of all scientific theories is to be shown to be false and if you took their view seriously which most of them kind of weren't always clear-headed enough to do The implication would be that you should never believe the predictions of science. You should never believe that a bridge made a certain way is more likely to hold up than a bridge made another way. And uh, you should just trust to luck when it comes to expecting things in the future. Uh, And it's a pretty absurd view. Uh, So, but I don't want to go on about that. I mean, this this is just uh, uh, bad-mouthing my uh, professional colleagues, but a surprising number of them don't think that science gets at the truth. And I think this is a very odd view, not least because this kind of blanket scepticism about scientific theories, that they're all mistaken, they're all going to turn out to be wrong, stops the philosophers of science from doing what I think is the most important thing in this area, is to try and distinguish the good science from the bad. I mean, somebody tells you that uh, there's global warming, that... uh, uh AIDS isn't caused by a virus, that uh, mad cow disease is caused by prions, that uh, we want to know, are these serious theories that are backed by a lot of evidence mm-hmm. or are they just speculations that quite likely are going to be false? I think there's a difference. I think in science, quite often, some theories really do get firmly established by huge amounts of evidence. Okay. And other theories are just speculations often promulgated by the men in white coats because they have some uh, agenda to to push and we really want to be able to tell the difference so just going around saying science never gets at the truth seems to me to be throwing the baby out with the bathwater
0: okay i mean i suppose we could back up a bit and say uh what would it mean to say that science gets gets at the truth i mean what is the truth in scientific terms is it a a description of reality that is valid or
1: yeah i don't i don't think there's any deep issues here. I mean, there's various technical issues, but I mean, I say it's raining outside, and uh, that's true, if in fact it's raining outside. Uh, The scientists say that uh, matter is made of tiny little atoms too small to see one kind for each element. That's true. If matter is indeed made of tiny little atoms too small to see one kind for each element, I mean, I think it's just a straightforward matter. I mean, uh, (coughs) what it is for scientific theories to be true is pretty straightforward. How we can tell which ones are true that's a very much more complicated business i mean that's not straightforward at all. and that's what you're
0: interested in how you know the good the the true ones from the false ones
1: yeah but again i don't think i mean despite the philosophers of science i don't think there's anything at first pass very deep and difficult here Mm -hmm. some theories have lots and lots of evidence to support them other theories are just speculations and if you talk to the best scientists they will make just this kind of of distinction I remember going to a talk by, by by Martin Rees, the, the <coughs> astronomer royal, where he was talking about various issues in cosmology. Right. And he said the Big Bang hypothesis, he would bet thousand pounds to a penny. I mean, there's huge amounts of evidence. I mean, the redshift, the uh, background radiation and so on. It's hard to see how all that could be so unless there was a Big Bang starting off the universe but he said there's a very popular view among many cosmologists which is supposed to explain the the low entropy state early in the universe and it's to do with there was a sudden inflation uh, after 3 seconds or something and he said that's an interesting idea but there's not much evidence and i think it's about 50-50 mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we need to know so again as i mean you might you might worry a bit about what makes something evidence for a theory but basically the theory predicts things that would be amazing if the theory weren't true, well then that's good reason to believe the theory
0: So um, am I correct in thinking that you Mm -hmm. one of the things that you think tells a good scientific theory is that it's Mm -hmm. able to predict things that you wouldn't otherwise know unless you have the theory
1: I think that's that's the right way to think about Evidence. What what supports a view? What what should make you attach more credence to it? Make make believe it more firmly is that it predicts surprising things that turn out to be turn out to be true. I mean, I mean that's that's. I mean, remember. I mean, the classic case is is general relativity that mm-hmm. made Einstein so yeah, very sure. famous in 1919, and he predicted that light would bend when it went past the sun. I mean, nobody had ever thought of such a thing, a completely weird thing, and lo and behold, it does. I mean, you sure. might have thought beforehand that's an interesting theory, but pretty weird. But once you once you see that, you think, oh, that must be right.
0: Okay. Is there yeah. any other um, particular areas you think? Are good for showing a scientific theory is true, apart from, you know, obviously if you observe, like, a million white swans, you've got a good idea to think that all swans are white, right?
1: No, I don't know that. That's, I mean, it depends what alternative theories are and what they, uh-huh. and what they predict. Uh, I, uh... <laughs> one thing that, that philosophers of science often say is, look, you you shouldn't really be so confident of these these uh, scientific theories that you think are firmly established, because when we look at the history of science, Mm -hmm. lots of theories that people took to be firmly established turned out to be wrong. Newton's theory, uh, um, Ptolemy's uh, theory, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and, I mean, uh, Phlogiston theory, miasma theory of disease. But the truth is that when you look at the theories that turn out to be wrong... There seems to be a pattern that either they don't have very much evidence for them, or I mm-hmm. mean, Newton's theory had a lot of evidence, but it was a very bold theory about the whole structure of space and right. time, and okay. the evidence was limited to a fairly restricted area uh-huh. of space and time. So, so what you find is is the theories that turn out to be false tend to be the ones where their ambitions far outshoot the evidence for them. I mean, here's, here's another sure. example. I mean, take theories about. The recent origin of human beings, I mean, what what happened in between us splitting off from from the the chimpanzees and now, mm-hmm. and, you know, people, it's just Australopithecus, and then, and then they change their mind, and, and those theories keep on – and why? It's because they've got scarcely any evidence. They're going on a few bits of teeth and bone, and they construct a theory on that. Uh-huh. And it's very easy to find some more evidence that shows that's wrong.
0: Okay, so would
1: other other bits of science do have overwhelming amounts of evidence? So, would
0: a fair sort of principle be that uh, a scientific theory is probably true in proportion to the amount of favourable
1: evidence? Favourable evidence of different kinds, in particular, evidence that wouldn't be true if the alternative theories are right. Mm-hmm. But so, doesn't,
0: doesn't that al- also leave the falsificationist point of view open to say, uh, but there could always be things that show it to be wrong? And isn't that what the people who say uh, science is always progressing and, you know, there might be a model of the universe that is better than Einstein's,
1: for instance? Uh, I think it's a terrible fantasy. Uh-huh. And I think it's, it's, it's a problem that fouled up all the Popperians to make the move from it's possible that this theory is wrong, it it, it could be wrong, we could find evidence, to you oughtn't to believe it. And that's it. Look, in this area, we're trying to go from a certain amount of evidence to something that goes beyond evidence. And by the nature of the case, it's logically possible that even though the evidence is so, the theory we're extrapolating from it is going to turn out to be mistaken. But Mm -hmm. a mere possibility is not a probability, let alone a high probability. Mm -hmm. So I think it's possible that my... I mean, it's consistent with what I know. I can't disprove it conclusively that my wife has just run off with a guitar player from Milton Keynes. It's possible, but... Should I now, now think, well, I don't believe yeah. that she's waiting for me in a restaurant in King's Cross? I mean, of course I believe that. I bet so think, I, I, I'd, I'd bet £1,000. So the moral rate.
0: of the story is yeah. to, that you sh- should believe what you've got good, you know, good reasons to believe, yeah. and, and why, why follow something that you don't have good reasons to believe?
1: I'm afraid that's a very boring uh, No, I agree. But, I mean, but, this is an area but, we agree in, so but, that's
0: good. We've finally yeah. reached an area of agreement. Good, good. Uh-huh. Um... Also, some things that you're interested in is meaning and representation. What, what interests you about meaning and representation?
1: Well, so I started off talking about the materialist view of the mind. Right. And, uh, right, let's, let's not go there uh, <laughs> in these last five minutes. But it's the same issue. How do we fit these things that you might have thought uh, involve more? Than just the material facts and material structures in in mm-hmm. the world into a material world. So so the challenge, just as with the conscious mind, is to explain how how representation is possible right. in a material world. How how is it that a purely physical system? Uh, Within such a system, you c- you can get something standing for something else. I mean, that's the yeah. kind of representation. How can how can one thing? That's them? what
0: consciousness is. Is it? Is that what you are saying? Consciousness is something standing for something else. Is that what you are saying? I guess.
1: N- look, representation is. Look, the word Lima stands for a city on the other side of the globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing standing for something else. Uh, right. Uh, a Sentence that it's raining in Lima. Is representing things to be thus and so? On. How can one thing represent something else now so that 's the problem of representation problem of meaning, and then there 's the problem of consciousness and it 's not to be taken for granted that they 're the same problem or even have very much to do with each other. Some people think mm-hmm. that some people want to explain consciousness in terms of representation, some people want to explain representation in terms of consciousness, but at first pass, I think we should just apo- approach the two problems separately right. i mean after all, it does look as if uh, we can have representation without consciousness. I mean, I, I just talked about words representing. Right. And words aren't conscious. Well, you might say they represent because a conscious being, yeah. but you might think of a computer uh, as representing things. You might think that that computer is representing the sounds that I'm making right right now. You might think that rather simple animals represent things to be. Thus and so, when a, I don't know, a mouse uh, sees a, something flashing across the sky and scurries under a bush, it might well be representing that there's an owl there. And it might be representing wrongly. I mean, the thing that, uh-huh. that caught attention might be a, might be an airplane or a helicopter. Okay, so
0: what so. what hmm? problems in the philosophy of representation really intrigue you? And how do you
1: answer them? What problems? Uh, mm, what well, issues? how 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 to explain? Well, what kind of material system do you need uh-huh. in order for it to be true that some feature of it represents something else? Mm-hmm. And people have many different different views about. Okay, about what, this. what's your view? My view is that it's to do with biological design. It's it's a product of evolution. Evolution mm-hmm. in, evolves rather. Complicated uh, uh, organisms that can uh, adapt themselves to the environment in all kinds of ways, and in one way it uh, does this is it creates animals who can form states brain states i mean don 't let 's worry about the consciousness of brain states that will direct them to act in certain ways right. where those ways of acting are a good idea if circumstances are thus and so so little mouse right it 's got a brain right. state makes it run under the bush. And this is a good thing to do if there's an owl overhead. And I say that's a natural basis for saying that this brain state in the mouse is representing there to be an owl. And I think the right way to understand representation is to start with those kind of cases and then build up to more and more complicated uh, evolved cognitive systems. And when we understand them and understand... What they've been designed to do in biological terms, we'll be able to see that the different bits represent different features of the environment. Okay. Can
2: I ask a question? Sure, yeah, of course you can. Um, with regards to this, in fact, um, mm. about representation mm. and that example you, you brought about of Lima, yeah. which is a town. Yeah. Yeah. But that same word yeah. means something else in a different language. So we yeah. have representation mm. and perception um, in different, according to. A different person, different individual, different brain, according to his or her experience. So, how can we associate that to biology only? Couldn't that experience that comes into it as well?
1: I think so. So, I, so I, I mean, of course, it's not the physical nature of the word that makes it represent what it does. I mean, the same physical word might represent the capital of Peru in one language and a certain kind of bean. I mean, is a lima bean from Lima, Peru? anyway? the I- in
2: Italian, <laughs> lima is actually a um, filing like filing to file your very good exactly so, part, yes.
1: so so it's not it's not the physical nature of the word but it's something to do with what how the word is used by people yeah. what it leads people to do it's and the so thought on we
2: create it's that. the yeah. meaning
1: of the
0: word or the connotations
1: perhaps yes but uh, I still think if, if you can analyse how it fits into a more complicated system that enables mm-hmm. the, the user of the word to interact with the environment in a certain way then you can understand what makes it the case that the word stands for something in the environment for those people for those people
2: mm. thank
1: you okay
0: uh, i think we're coming to the end of the show now so we're just gonna uh, i'm just gonna say you've been listening to the philosophy now radio show i've been with uh, uh, professor david papan and we've been talking about uh, mind and science and stuff mm. and 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 bye